and welcome to Animal Spirits, a show about markets, life, and investing. Join Michael Batnick and Ben Carlson as they talk about what they're reading, writing, and watching. Michael Batnick and Ben Carlson work for Ritholtz Wealth Management. All opinions expressed by Michael and Ben or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. On today's A Random Watch Down Wall Street, we watched 2016's The Founder with Michael Keaton based on the true story of McDonald's. Can we call him the founder? Mm, isn't that ironically yes. the name of the movie? So about the guy who helped turn McDonald's into one of the biggest restaurants in the world, Ray Kroc. All right. I'm coming out quick with the hot takes here. Okay. Ray Kroc is to the 1960s as Mark Zuckerberg is to the 2010s. Ray Kroc is the original Mark Zuckerberg. Very good. If you have not seen this movie, it sounds like they kept pretty good to the actual story. So there were two brothers, the McDonald brothers, who started a small restaurant in San Bernardino, California, and there was no fast food in the 50s or 60s. How did people survive back then? I guess they didn't have anything else to do most of the time, but I mean, people just waited a lot for everything. Come on. They had nothing to do. (laughs) I I mean, they just... They talked about how that you'd go to a drive-in and they'd have the person bring the food up to your car and it would take a minimum of 20 minutes. These McDonald brothers figured out, why don't we try to do things faster? And we'll get into it to the categories because I think this was by far my favorite scene. I thought the best scene of the movie... That's coming in hot, no? No? Too much? How about a little bit of an intro? Let's talk before we get into the categories, no? Okay, fine. Thoughts on the movie? (laughs) Well, we've seen this movie before, literally. I enjoyed it more the first time. I agree. I think my expectations were fairly low. I was like, oh, I'll watch this movie. And I was like, oh, wow, that was actually really good. Wasn't a great rewatch. It's not really a feel-good movie. You need some sort of feel-good or action or something for a rewatch. Michael Keaton is a hell of an actor. Yes. Okay, we got to talk about this. No, wait. (laughs) No, what happened to him, though? (laughs) What? He was the original Batman in 1990 or 1991. Yeah. That was probably the biggest movie role in a long time at that point. He was in Batman Returns. After that, his string of movies was, he did not have one good movie in the the rest of the 90s, basically. What did he do? Multiplicity. Yeah, that was a silly one. Jack Frost. We tried to do that with my kids a couple years ago. After he was the biggest movie star on the planet from Batman. And Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. He had had a bunch of them in the 80s, Mr. Mom. The rest of his movie career for the next decade after Batman was awful. I don't know if he was trying to get away from that persona. You're right. He's an amazing actor. And his movies following Batman for a decade at least were awful. Well, he came back in the 2010s in a big way with this one. Did he win an Oscar for Birdman? Yeah, he got nominated. I don't know if he won. That was an odd movie, but he was good in it. He was the villain in the 15th Spider-Man reboot. Okay. I gave up on those, but... I love Spider-Man. Yeah, he's an amazing movie, and he's especially from the 80s, and he's still going today, but I was just surprised how his movie career just really trailed off in the 90s. He was good. Laura Dern as the wife in this, who was actually much more subdued than she usually is. She was fine, but that could have been played by anyone. Yes, I agree. All right, so let's talk about fast food for a second. Do you think that if it weren't for the McDonald's, that we would have fast food today as we know it? 
Definitely. I think it, it would have happened eventually. Someone would have figured this out. Agreed. They might have pushed it forward a little faster than it otherwise would have. I'm sitting here doing this podcast right now after just mowing down two of the huge Wendy's breakfast sandwiches. What was that word before down? Mowing down? Mowing down? Sorry, that's a Midwestern thing. You say mow? Mowing down? Don't worry about it. It's a Midwestern thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I took down two of these huge Wendy's breakfast sandwiches, yeah. and I feel like I need to take a nap under my desk right now. And I didn't even have the buns, trying to live that carb-free lifestyle, and they still almost took me down. Well, you're a fast food, a frequent fast food eater. I feel like you eat Chick-fil-A like three times a week. Don't you think that fast food is potentially one of the greatest inventions of all time? <laughs> I love fast food. I don't eat it that often because... I mean, when I was in high school, I probably had fast food five times a week, easily. And the way that I ate, there's no way I could keep up that pace as much as I did back then because you know you can just burn it off when you're younger. But fast food is amazing. So let's get into what aged best and worst from this movie. Hold on. I want to talk about fast food for a second. Okay. I don't eat fast food in my daily life, but whenever I travel, you know... Yes, I eat it enough of my day. But McDonald's for me was the place growing up. Like we would have birthday parties at McDonald's when I was younger. That was like the place to go for a family meal, especially when you have little kids, I think. So like we take my kids to McDonald's now, even now. And is it the best food? No, but it's pretty damn good. It's not bad. I'm sure you could quibble with this, but they still have the best fries of anyone, fast food wise. At the end of the movie, they said that McDonald's feeds 1% of the population daily. That was wild. I did not know that or did not remember that. That was pretty crazy. I think out of all the fast food places, though, they have the best French fries, correct? They definitely have the best Big Mac. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here's something that has aged fairly well. So they talked about how in the late 1950s, early 1960s, a family of four could eat a McDonald's for about $2.50. They were selling... 15 cent hamburgers, and this is the original McDonald's that the two brothers made. 35 cents for a cheeseburger, or sorry, it was 35 cents for a burger, fries, and a Coke. And so, again, 250 for a family of four, they said. I tracked that to the price of inflation today. And if that 250 followed the price of inflation today, it would be about $24. And I think that's pretty reasonable. So, I think McDonald's has tracked the rate of inflation. Actually, it's pretty much been right on, I think. What do you mean? How is that right on? So I took $2.50 and used the inflation rate every year since 1955 or whenever they started and brought it to today. Right. Okay. And so multiplying the rate of inflation each year by $2.50 gets you to about $24. And I think taking my family of five, granted my little kids don't eat that much, I'd say 20 to 25 bucks is probably about right for what we would spend at McDonald's. Hang on a sec. Maybe I just wasn't listening to you. You said that a burger, fries, and a drink would be $2.50. No, it said... Thirty-five uh, cents. You could feed a family of four for two dollars and fifty cents back then. Sorry. Okay. I apologize. I apologize to you and to the listener and to McDonald's. So I think McDonald's has tracked the rate of inflation with their food prices actually pretty well. They haven't really gotten out of hand at all. You think they have any economists working at McDonald's? They must have something. Could be. Wasn't Ray Dalio the one who invented the chicken McNugget or something? So he claims. <laughs> No, wait a minute. Hold on. Actually, there's a good story in his book, Principles, about how, I think this sounds about right. The reason why they didn't do the Chicken McNugget was because they couldn't figure out how to hedge the price of chicken. And Dalio figured that out. Or maybe it was soy because that was the biggest input or whatever it was. Dalio figured out how to hedge it for them. So ipso facto, Ray Dalio, inventor of the Chicken McNugget. I don't think he had anything to do with the barbecue sauce. 
Okay, here's something that didn't age great is... Wait a minute. What? What about my turn? Okay, what do you got? For what aged well? This was maybe the second scene in the movie. Ray Kroc is trying to sell some sort of gadget machine. I don't even know what it was. He was selling a milkshake machine. Milkshake machine, okay. And he was not doing very well, so he's in his hotel room, we're in his house, and he's listening to... He's listening to a record player. But on the record player, it's not music. This is what he heard. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. He was listening to a motivational speaker on a record player. Right. It was the Tony Robbins of his day, basically. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of salespeople that still do this. He was definitely a hustler. I mean, he was like an old school, roll up your sleeve, sales, door to door. He was driving around in his car. There's part of Croc that you respect, and then there's definitely part of him that you look at and say, this guy definitely went too far. But certainly the way that he treated some people didn't look the best. But honestly, like the way that he does that, I'm sure it's not that much different from the way CEOs act today. So what didn't age well for you? <sighs> wow, that was a very deep, deep exhale. Sorry, I'm thinking. What do you got? I got one. What didn't age well was the fact that he at least according to the movie, made a handshake deal with the brothers that he would pay them a royalty of 1% of profits, which is $100 million a year in today's dollars. Yeah. Ouch. One more thing. Imagine the lineage of the actual McDonald's family that are possibly not rich. Right. Because of this? Yeah. Right. And honestly, though, it probably never would have happened for them without Ray Kroc. Well, it definitely wouldn't have happened, but he still ripped them off. Right. I looked. One of the brothers basically got over it and said, you know what? We're okay. They both were already rich anyways. They were making enough money off of this one McDonald's store that they said they both made a hundred grand a year and they lived in houses with tennis courts and could buy a new Cadillac every few years. So they were already doing pretty good and they got paid a million dollars, which back then was a lot of money. They did say one of the brothers was fine with it and got over it and didn't really care. The other brother, and this was Dick McDonald, who was played by Ron Swanson in the movie, Nick Offerman from Perks and Rec. It really messed with him, and he died 10 years after selling the company, and part of it was, this is what it says on IMDb, it was due to his heartache and stress over the sale. So he never got over it at all. I thought the guy that played Mac McDonald is an awesome actor. His name is John Carroll Lynch. He's been in a million things. The one that I recognize him from is Fargo. He was, oh my God, what's the actress's name from Fargo? He was her husband, the main actor, Norm Lundegaard. What's her name? Francis McDormand is who you're thinking of. Yes, correct. Well, I thought both of the brothers were good, and they played that role really good. I liked Dick Offerman, too, as the more anal-retentive brother, and they were kind of good cop, bad cop, where Mac was in between. I called him Lundegaard. It was Gunderson. Lundegaard was, uh, was William H. Macy. Okay. Anyhow. Speaking of Fargo, that was a Coen Brothers movie. According to the IMDb of this movie... The Cohen brothers wanted to make this. They saw the script and wanted to make it and couldn't make it for whatever reason, scheduling issues. This does not seem like a Cohen brothers movie. I'm kind of glad they didn't. So the guy that did make it, because I was like, you know what was good about the movie? I felt like the cadence was very good. It flowed very nicely. The guy who did it, I forget his name. He did The Blind Side and he had a few other, I think that was his biggest movie. All right, next category, favorite characters. This one was kind of hard for me because there aren't that many great characters in the movie. Croc is not a very redeeming person. I mean, at the end of the movie, it leaves you with a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth because he's not really a great guy, right? He's terrible. My favorite character was Mac McDonald. I like the McDonald brothers. 
they nailed the casting on that. All right, best scene. My favorite scene was towards the beginning after he went to McDonald's. So he went to McDonald's because they placed a large order for his milkshake machines. So he wanted to check out their operation. And he took the brothers out to dinner and the brothers told him their history and how they found in McDonald's. That was by far my favorite scene. It was perfect. So they talked about how they were trying to figure out how they could get these burgers out to customers from order to in their hands in 30 seconds. And they walked through and they went to a tennis court and they drew out the kitchen using chalk. And they brought all the workers there to figure out how much they could move. We could just move those. Okay. Multi mixer soft drinks. Okay. We bring out our whole staff and we have them go through the motions making pretend burgers and fries. All right, Steve, anticipate that. You got to keep the tray level. Okay. And Dick is running around with this stick, marking where all the equipment should be. Tuck in. Tony, are you going to skip the pickles when we're really doing it? They do it over and over, hashing it out, choreographing it like some crazy burger ballet. Going on over there. Yes. No. No. <sighs> Everybody, stop. Stop. Garnish one. Garnish two. You've got pickles, you've got onions. And I looked in this book, The 50s. He did a whole chapter about it. They completely remade all the kitchen appliances and everything and tools and gadgets themselves. So they brought this guy in to make these machines for them. And I guess the guy never patented them. He had the ketchup and mustard machine that you'd push it down and it would put ketchup and mustard on like 10 burgers at once on a Lazy Susan. And if this guy apparently would have patented this stuff, he would have made millions and millions of dollars. But they completely remade a kitchen from scratch, and they changed up the way the ovens were. And it was really cool how they showed how they came up with all this stuff on the tennis court. That was by far the best scene, I think. I also liked it when they showed him first, when Kroc finally took over and started franchising the McDonald's. They showed him going from city to city and opening all the McDonald's, the montage. I'm a big montage fan. So when they did the montage of him finally starting to grow in the different cities, I thought that was good. You know what I thought was interesting from a business point of view? Just the dichotomy between the McDonald's and Croc. And originally, why they were so anti-franchising was because they tried it, and they had real trouble with the quality control. Right. Honestly, this movie does have a ton of good business lessons in it. They said when they changed, they used to be a barbecue joint that also sold burgers and fries. They found out 87% of their sales went to burgers and fries. So this is the 80-20 rule. And they decided to just get rid of everything else and just sell burgers, fries, and pop. And that was it. And how about the biggest lesson of all was when the... Who was it that said to him, like, you're not in the fast food business. You're in the real estate business. Yes. Yeah, they showed at the end, these were all real people. And the way that Kroc was able to get the business away from the brothers was he started buying the real estate and leasing the land to the franchisees that came and started the McDonald's. At the end of the movie, it said McDonald's is one of the largest real estate owners in the world. What does that even mean? Well, I mean, it means they have thousands and thousands of restaurants. So they obviously still do this where they own the land and buy it up. And then people basically pay rent to them to run the McDonald's on it. By the way, has that investing thesis ever worked? Right. People are going to run out of land. No, no, no. Not that part where it's like, remember Macy's? They were worth less than their supposed real estate value or something like that. Oh, right. It's like the land on the 34th Street location alone is worth more than the stock. Right. That one kind of fell through when every mall in America became a zombie mall. That's how you know when the stock is going to zero. Right. Yes. Why don't they just turn Target into a REIT? Right? Isn't that what Bill Ackman wanted to do? Turn Target into a REIT? All right. 
What are some of your favorite quotes? This came up over and over and over. If you increase supply, demand will follow. So the economics angle. I like that. Okay, I like this one. McDonald's could be the new American church, and it ain't just open on Sundays, boys. That's what he told the guys when he wanted to. He told McDonald's brothers when he wanted to turn this into a franchise model. Yeah, this script was really, really well done. I wonder how much of this was just written versus taken from books. and. Yeah, I've got some stuff where it seemed to me like they followed a lot of it pretty closely. At the very end of the movie, Croc is sitting in front of the mirror and giving himself a speech that he's going to give to Ronald Reagan. And a lot of the quotes that he used in there were quotes that I found that he really actually used. Mm. What else do you got? So at the very end of the movie, when he's basically just ripping it away from the brothers, they're sitting at a table with lawyers and they're talking and Michael Keaton, who plays Ray Kroc, the founder, says to the brothers, I'm national. You're fucking local. Yeah. He said contracts like hearts, they're made to be broken. I mean, he's also ruthless. He said, if my competitor were drowning, I'd walk over and put a hose in his mouth. He's like, that's why I was able to take this and take it the next step further, and you never were. They actually were, I guess in real life, they were on like their eighth or ninth restaurant when he came in, and he was hired to be the franchise person. And so a lot of it is pretty true. The crazy thing is, is that he really did say, so he opened like the ninth restaurant in Chicago, in a suburb of Chicago. And he would say that was the original McDonald's, even though these brothers were the ones who did it at first. So that's why the movie is kind of an ironic title because he wasn't really the founder of McDonald's. He was the one who helped them grow and become one of the largest chains in the world, but he was not the first one who did it. So messing around on IMDb, all this trivia stuff, when Mac and Dick are on the tennis court choreographing the kitchen layout, Mac bends over to draw with chalk. You can see the outline of modern mid-thigh boxer briefs through his pants. This type of undergarment did not exist until the 1950s. So there was like 50 of these. And I'm just thinking, yeah, who does this? And a lot of it was like... People who use Yelp, who leave Yelp reviews and go on Wikipedia and internet people. Yeah, internet people. A lot of the corrections were like, when he was looking at a map, actually, San Bernardino wasn't incorporated until 1987. Oh, right. Okay. So you talked about like, would someone have figured this out before? So this is from David Halberstam in the 50s. He said, the McDonald's had understood an important new trend in American life. Americans were becoming more mobile and living further from their workplaces than ever before. As they commuted considerable distances, they had less time and always seemed to be in a rush. Life in America was surging ahead, and one of the main casualties was old-fashioned personal service. Their customers wanted to eat quickly. So he talked about how this was this confluence of events where people were moving to the suburbs and entering the middle class in the 50s and 60s, and McDonald's hit just at the perfect time and sprung up basically out of nowhere. I wonder when... Taco Bell, Burger King, Wendy's came along. Roy Rogers. Why didn't Roy Rogers last? I don't even remember Roy Rogers. Maybe it was an East Coast thing. Okay. So did you have White Castles or is that a Midwest thing? No, White Castle is still around. Okay. White Castle's kind of gross. I mean, I'd eat it, but yeah. Okay. There was a Grand Rapids shout in the movie. I heard that. Could have been Grand Rapids, Minnesota, though. There's two of them. Well, here's also from IMDb. In the movie, it's implied that the first Michigan McDonald's was in Grand Rapids. It is further shown on a map that there's a pin on the Grand Rapids location and nowhere else in the state. Actually, the first store in Michigan was on North Larch Street in Lansing, Michigan, not in Grand Rapids. Okay. It's about an hour from us. This is from the book. They asked Dick McDonald years later if he regretted selling out. And he said, not at all. I would have wound up in some skyscraper somewhere with about four ulcers and eight tax attorneys trying to figure out how to pay all my income tax. So he was happy. He got his million bucks, which 
back then would have been what? The equivalent of 10 million or so maybe just for the idea. How badly do you think those guys really got screwed? What percentage do you give to they had the original idea and Kroc took it to the next level, again, a la Mark Zuckerberg, versus these guys just got hosed? 60-40? I don't know. I mean, sounds about right. But what if they got like $5 million? What year was it? This was like the late 50s. Okay. And then that money was just put in T-bills the entire time. And then in 1997, they put $10,000 into Amazon. Here's the other part of it that was interesting. They talked about this in this book. The brothers asked him at the end, okay, you saw what we did. We gave you a tour of our kitchen. Why didn't you just do this yourself? You could have just stolen the idea and started this on your own. You didn't have to come and steal our name and our way of doing things. You could have just done this on your own, which is obviously what Burger King did to McDonald's, I guess. They copied them. And he said that you couldn't name it Crocs. It had to be McDonald's. The name McDonald's, he said, just sounded so right to him that he had to have the name. And it is interesting that he was this visionary and he loved the golden arches. And I guess he was the one who... They had the two huge arches on the side of the building that they made, but he was the one that brought them together to make an M, which isn't that much of a leap. But he just loved the idea of the golden arches and he said the brothers didn't really see it as much as he did. And so instead of just stealing it, he... So I guess in a lot of ways you could say well, maybe he didn't completely screw them over. But the thing about him... So at the end of the movie, he made them take down their name from their own original restaurant and then set up his restaurant a block away. Apparently that really happened. So this was not a nice person. That was like Larry David's Spite store. (laughs) Yes, it was a Spite store. Larry's Lattes. He legitimately put these brothers out of business actually after he paid them. So he put a restaurant in down the street from their original restaurant and put them out of business. How about this? If you had to name one company in the world that you were confident, most confident would be around in 500 years, I think you would say McDonald's. McDonald's or Coca-Cola maybe? Okay. Probably right in the same. Go hand in hand. Yeah. So there's a story in this book how the guy from Coca-Cola came to him and Crack said, I'm going to put Coke in all of my restaurants, but I need four or five different flavors. And the guy said, yeah, whatever. And he said, you better because I'm going to have a thousand of these stores pretty soon. And this is after the first store. And the guy's like, yeah, right, whatever. And he said he, he still worked with that guy towards the end of his career and would remind him of that. So he was, he was just like this maniac. And, and it even said in the book that he divorced his wife mainly because all he wanted to do was talk about McDonald's. And the woman he ended up marrying was someone who worked for McDonald's. And that's why he liked spending time with her because that's all she wanted to talk about too. The only thing that mattered to this guy, it sounds like, was work pretty much in making this happen. And he did so at age 52, which we didn't really mention. He was more or less just a salesman. I think he made some decent money, but the fact that he did this so late in life is pretty wild. Do you think this is one of the better business movies of all time? I mean, I'm sure there's others that we're In terms of business strategy, again, I think there are a lot of interesting lessons you can pull away from this, both right and wrong, I think. It says by the end, so when he died, he was worth like $600 million. Again, he started this franchise at McDonald's at age 52. So he started pretty late in life. When did they go public? In the 60s? Uh, I looked. It was the mid-70s. So I actually looked. I could only find data going back for the S&P 500. I know that they were around in the crash of 73, 74. Yeah, it was the early 70s, I think. So I found data going back to 76, which is when the Vanguard S&P 500 was started. And so I did growth of $10,000 on Y-charts. And McDonald's stock would grow to three million from ten grand in nineteen seventy six, while 
the S&P 500 Vanguard fund grew to roughly 915000 So three times as much money as the S&P over time. Are you a McDonald's breakfast fan? Yeah, the breakfast is not bad. I prefer other places. I mean, there's the sausage egg McMuffin, basically. Not a McMuffin guy. I prefer the McRiddle, which is a pancake soaked in syrup. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty good. You feel like a real piece of crap after, <laughs> after eating <laughs> like, one of those. Like I did with my Wendy's <laughs> things today. Here's some of the things about him being his quote he gave at the end. He said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a problem. Talent will not. The world is filled with unsuccessful men of talent. Education alone will not. The world is filled with educated derelicts. Apparently, through the first 10 years of the company even, there was basically no MBAs that worked at McDonald's in the corporate office. And he didn't even really like people that went to college. So he was really this bootstrap old school guy. And he thought, one of the things in the book that I found interesting was, to the day he died, Ray Kroc harbored a bitter grudge against Franklin Delano Roosevelt because of social security. And he thought that there shouldn't be this national system to help people. He thought that kids should be forced to take care of their parents and people should be on their own. And so for some reason, Kroc was against FDR to the day he died. Wow. Movie did okay at the box office. I saw two different things. I saw 12 million. I saw 25 million. Okay, so it did all right. It's a good movie. It's not very watchable because it doesn't really leave you with the greatest taste in your mouth. But I think he set the mold for the way CEOs of today act, don't you think? Where it's basically me first, and if someone's in my way, I'm going to push them out of the way and do whatever I need to do. The scene on the golf course where he gets his rich buddies involved, and he goes and sees their burgers, and he's like, what is this lettuce? Yeah, that was the one thing. Again, that he figured out the quality control across all the different restaurants as a way to do it. I still do think it's so impressive that the brothers were able to come up with that in the first place on their own, all this stuff and the way that they did it. And they needed to micromanage that though. And they were the ones who were cleaning stuff and running it. And it just couldn't scale because they couldn't scale themselves. Here's some good IMDb trivia for you. Tom Hanks turned down the role of Ray Kroc, apparently. You know what? I feel like Michael Keenan was the right decision. I can't imagine, obviously Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks, but I can't imagine anybody doing this better than he did. Because you don't really want to like Kroc here. Right. Tom Hanks is the most likable man in America. Right. I agree. So I didn't realize this. The opposite happened in Philadelphia. Keaton turned down the role of Andrew Beckett, and Hanks took the part, eventually winning the Academy Award for Best Actor. Ouch. I bet he would switch roles if he could. I did not realize this. Never saw Philadelphia. All right. To play his character, Keaton watched Glengarry Glenn Ross, Wall Street, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Jerry Maguire. All good. Yeah. Not bad. Again, he was trying to be more of a sales guy, but also just not the greatest person, right? Yep. All right, Ben, what are we going to do next? I think we have to do Wall Street. We haven't done Wall Street yet. That's the original. I think we have to do it. Okay. We haven't done an 80s movie yet. I feel like I've seen Wall Street probably three times in full. It's been a while. I usually would catch it on USA Network back in the day and watch it in pieces, but it's been a while since I've sat through the whole thing. So let's do Wall Street for the next one, maybe in a couple weeks. The Founder was good. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth seeing. If you've already seen it, I don't know if it's worth a rewatch. Nah. Pass. But still an interesting story. And, and again, I think that this movie stayed pretty true to the actual story, which, right or wrong, Ray Kroc did a lot of things, but not the greatest guy in the world, which I suppose you could say about a lot of our leaders today. This movie was liked by critics and the audience. Both scored, I think, like an 89-ish on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, like 81 and 82 for... Ah, uh, okay. And 7.2 on IMDb. That's probably pretty good. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was good. a good movie. All right. Send us some thoughts. Let us know if you have any other movies. Send us an email at animalspiritspod at gmail.com. We'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.